Should have had him singing that at the beginning of the service. I had time to recover. Oh. If I could sing that song like that, I would do that every single day. Absolutely glorious truth and theology with a compelling melodic line that is absolutely captivating. Recently, I brought a message on racism. I taught from the Word of God that racism is a sin. Now, of course, lost people, those who might be racist, aren't generally worried about what is and what isn't a sin in that not having a personal relationship with the Lord of glory, that is not particularly real to them. Still, the Bible teaches it, and it should be preached with conviction, and I sought to do that a few weeks ago. And, what's more, believers, genuine, Christ-honoring believers, can be tempted, are tempted, to fall prey to the sin of racism. So we need a reminder. The Bible also teaches the principle of law and order. That is clearly established. It's my conviction that the Bible teaches that the rejecting of the virulence of racism while embracing the virtue of law and order are not mutually exclusive concepts. I'll say that again. Rejecting racism and embracing law and order are not mutually exclusive. In fact, they're not contradictory at all, except to a confused culture. For people of any skin color to march against racism, which is absolutely one's constitutional right in this country, while at the same time committing violent acts against persons, against police, against property is inexcusable from the word of God and from the laws of our land. And to not condemn those actions is tantamount to embracing them in spirit. And so the Bible teaches in very strong terms and speaks against this. And so this morning, I want to share a message on the wisdom of law and order from a book from which I have preached precious little, the book of Ecclesiastes, and from which a chapter that I've never preached, and in fact, even though reading through the entirety of Scripture at least a few times, I don't ever remember the content before of Ecclesiastes chapter 8. So, this is a brand new message for me, probably for you as well. Before you look at it, anyone here an expert on Ecclesiastes chapter 8? I wasn't, I'm still not, but I have a much better grasp. I have poured over this chapter for many days, for the last week or two, and am quite jazzed by it. Ecclesiastes 
chapter 8. And I'm going to have us read these one point at a time, beginning in verses 1 through 6, the wisdom of obeying the law. Ecclesiastes chapter 8, verses 1 through 6. Who is as the wise man? And who knoweth the interpretation of a thing? A man's wisdom maketh his face to shine, and the boldness of his face shall be changed. I counsel thee to keep the king's commandment, and that in regard to the oath of God. Be not hasty to go out of his sight. Stand not in an evil thing, for he doeth whatsoever pleaseth him. Where the word of a king is, there is power. And who may say unto him, What doest thou? Whoso keepeth the commandment shall feel no evil thing. And a wise man's heart discerneth both time and judgment. Because to every purpose there is time and judgment. Therefore the misery of man is great upon him. Not an easy passage to understand. Written by Solomon, as you know, who also wrote the Proverbs. And in fact, the book of Ecclesiastes, especially this chapter, is quite proverbial. It's very much like the Proverbs. And you'll remember that the book of Proverbs, the way you interpret the book of Proverbs, is not unconditional promises. It doesn't intend to be that way. But it's general truisms. It's general um, axioms, uh, which uh, many times is, if this is in place, then this happens. That's the book of Proverbs. And that is very much how the book of Ecclesiastes, written uh, at a later time, in fact, written near the end of Solomon's life, it's very much how that reads as well. The wisdom of obeying the law. Before I came to Christ at age 20, I was a lawbreaker. Many of you know that. You've heard my testimony. Some of you knew me at that time. However, I typically stopped short, uh, if I thought, stopped short of, of, of whatever evil I was doing, if I thought there was a good chance of getting caught by the police. I did not want to be arrested, and to this day, though guilty of a thousand crimes, I don't have a criminal record. I've never been arrested. So law and order helped curb evil in my life. Do you follow that? And that's what the Word of God says. Law and order does put a, a damper. It puts a governor on the engine of evil in many people's lives. It did in mine. Since I was saved at age 20, I've been a law and order guy. I've preached many times from Scripture that the society is held together by the principle of proper exercise of authority and proper submission to that authority. Of course, one in authority, whether a, a parent, a pastor, a public servant, does not have the blessing of God to act any way he or she wants. Never is a parent, a pastor, a public servant sanctioned from the word of God to be a tyrant. In fact, that is condemned. But there still is authority. And so, in mankind's history, foolishness has reigned. It began in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve, Eve had every evidence that God was good and yet they rejected that authority. They chose the foolish path instead of the wise path of obedience and mankind has followed suit ever since. Verse 1, if you'll notice, um, the idea of wisdom, making one's face to shine, is what Solomon's father, David, must have meant in Psalm 19 and verse 8 when it says the statutes 
of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. In other words, if you follow in the wise path of obedience, it's going to change your outlook in life. It's truly going to change your countenance. Uh, You're going to look uh, at one another in the eyes. You're not going to cower away. You're not going to be uh, sneaky. You're not going to be underhanded. You're not going to uh, have uh, eyes which uh, divert back and forth because there's a clear conscience. David must have taught Solomon that. Of course, the Spirit of God pressed it upon Solomon's heart to pen these words. There is wisdom in obeying authority. And folks, authority begins with the word of the Lord. And the word of the Lord in Ecclesiastes chapter 8 says that we are to follow uh, proper authority in society. Commentator Ronald Hawkins wrote, The shining countenance is a reflection of a new joy that has been born in the soul, that has entered into the narrow way of wisdom. There is joy. There is a happy countenance. There is a sense of well-being in the soul which manifests itself in one's countenance when the conscience is clear, when all is well with God and man. Verse 1 speaks to that. And then in verse 2, it's been rendered in verse 2, keep the king's command as though it were an oath unto God. That could be the rendering of verse 2. Notice it says, I command thee to keep the king's commandment and that in regard to the oath of God. Now, what oath would that be? Well, likely. Now remember, who was the, Solomon wrote the book of Ecclesiastes, who was the king he was referencing? Who? Who? Himself. That's exactly right. Solomon was the king at the latter part of his kingship, at the, near the end of his life. He's referencing himself. He very well could have said, obey me. <laughs> I'm the king. It's going to go well with you. And he was referencing himself. And likely this oath he was referencing is the one found in 1 Chronicles 29, verses 23 and 24. It says, Then Solomon sat on the throne of the Lord as king instead of David, his father. Uh, David had become sick and ill, and and, um, Solomon uh, followed him. And he prospered, and all Israel obeyed him, and all the princes and the mighty men and the sons. In other words, really, uh, all of the, uh, the, the people who had any clout in society... Likewise of King David submitted themselves unto Solomon the king. And so he said uh, in Ecclesiastes, you made this oath and you made it before God and you are to keep this oath. And so there is wisdom in obeying the law. Another commentator, uh, Ray Stedman wrote, because we share, uh, because we share in the blessings of government, Because we share in the blessings of government, we are responsible to obey the proper powers and the laws of that government. Of course, it's qualified, and I'll share that in a minute, that the government has to be uh, doing that which does not oppose God's will. And then notice in verse 3, it says that, Be not hasty to go out of his sight, nor stand in an evil thing, for he doeth whatsoever pleaseth him. In King Solomon's day... The king wasn't directly answerable to the people. He was accountable to God to rule according to the Mosaic law. In other words, there wasn't a referendum. There wasn't a popular vote. There wasn't an electoral college. He was appointed by God. That's why Proverbs 
29 and verse 2, likely written by David, Proverbs 29 and verse 2, says that when the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. That is, when your king, when your president, when your congress, when, when your governor um, does that which is following the righteous ways of the Lord, then the people are going to rejoice. But when the wicked bear rule, the people mourn. And this verse, verse 3, a bit difficult to translate, but the general meaning is that since King Solomon had authority, do not desert your post or plot an uprising. That's the idea. Uh, because he's writing in context, to some degree, to those who are under him as soldiers. And so don't desert your post, uh, don't, don't plot an op- uprising. He is God's man. Now, for the obvious qualifier, both then and now, authority is not to be obeyed when the authority requires going against the revealed will of God. Let me say that again. Authority is not to be obeyed when it is going clearly going against the revealed will of God. And that's exactly what the early apostles uh, experienced in Acts 5 and verse 29. They said, no longer talk about, no longer teach, no longer preach in the name of Jesus. And the answer was, uh, we must obey God rather than men. Even though you're our authority, we're going to reject that authority, what that authority says, because God says otherwise. Now in verse 4, notice it says, where the word of the king is, there's power. And so how can you say, what doest thou? Well, the reason there's power is because God has established civil authority and he places people uh, in that. Who established established the boundaries of the earth? God did, Acts chapter 17. Who established the leaders within those boundaries at any given time in history? The Lord did. In fact, Romans chapter 13, speaking to a people who were ruled by emperor worship, that is the Caesars, Paul said, let every soul, every one of you, be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. This was a pagan culture. Uh, These were idolaters that he's referencing, and yet he is saying, be subject unto them. Whosoever, therefore, resists the power, resists the ordinance of God, and they shall receive to themselves damnation or judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. That is, um, God intended them to be raised up for that purpose. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power or um, that you would honor, you would revere the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. For he, that is the authority, is the minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid. For he beareth not the sword in vain, for he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. And so uh, our officers who were down here this morning have been ordained of God. Even those who don't know the Lord, God has still placed them in that position to curb evil. And the vast majority, 99 point whatever percent, at least in my life experience and what I've observed, in fact, do that. Wherefore, you must needs be subject, not only for wrath, in other words, not just because you'll get in trouble, but for conscience sake. Believers are to obey the law. There's wisdom in obeying the law 
for conscience sake. Now, um, our present day application of this truth is not as practically easy as it was in a theocracy. Israel in the Old Testament was a theocracy. The rule of God through the, ten, or through the, uh, the, the writings of Moses, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteron- uh, Numbers, Deuteronomy, through a king, through, through the times of the judges, and then later through a king. And the king was God's ultimate civil authority. However, in 21st century America, with followers of Christ, the king is not our ultimate authority. What or who is our ultimate authority? Not the president, not the governor, not the mayor. It is the U.S. Constitution. I'm talking about our civil authority. Of course, the Lord is our ultimate authority. And it's a good thing to get counsel, to get confirmation. You see, I felt very good about that, that, that statement. Uh, but I wanted to get real solid backing, frankly. I, I, was, I, was, I was covering my own back, as it were. Um, and so I sent a note. I sent a text message to three respected men uh, that I know and love. And one of them was attorney Michael Whitehead here in Kansas City. He is on the board with me and with uh, others here on Haiti Home of Hope. He's a board member. He has argued two cases himself before the United States Supreme Court in the last, oh, say, 30 years or so. He has filed briefs over 25 times with the U.S. Supreme Court. So this is someone who knows his way around constitutional law, and especially constitutional law as it pertains to churches, because he's a church law expert. He's called upon to file briefs, to, uh, to argue before the Supreme Court. So, being my friend... I wrote this text message to him. I said, this is me. I'm likely going to share, and this is writing to Michael Whitehead. I'm just bold enough to just reach out to somebody who argues before the Supreme Court. What do I care, you know? Um, I'm I'm likely going to share this Sunday morning that for the 21st century American Christian, our ultimate civil authority is not a person. It's the U.S. Constitution. My guess is you agree with that statement. I, I sent that same text to two other men who are not attorneys, but wanted to hear what they had to say as well. Michael Whitehead wrote back, and he gave me permission to share this. I do indeed, meaning I do indeed agree. And above the Constitution are the people who can amend the Constitution. And above the people is the lawgiver, the Lord, uh, the Lord himself. The government is not the source of our fundamental rights. God is. Government is required by our Constitution to respect and protect those rights. So, why am I telling you what you already know? Folks, because we can now imagine a day. We absolutely can imagine a day in which the government might very well tell us how, when, and even if we can meet for a worship service as a congregation. We absolutely can imagine a day. In fact, four months ago, when the uh, ordinances started coming down, uh, I said to Kathy, I said, I don't know how this is going to end up, but I'm telling you, mark it down, there is a potential power grab by government in this situation right now. I was a prophet, I guess. And in fact, I fear that has absolutely come to pass. So as a local church, 
we have a decision to make. <clears throat> if something like that were to come to pass, and I say if, not very, not very hopeful that it won't. When something like that will come to pass, that our restriction will be, there will be a restriction placed on us by the mayor, by the county commissioner, by whoever, that this is when and how and when and where you can do church under these conditions. Heretofore, we're never a part of, of American society and certainly not consistent with the Constitution. And, and this is where I am, and I don't mind that this is on record. I don't have a criminal record yet. And I'm saying that in all seriousness. I don't have a criminal record yet. Verses 5 and 6, as we continue on. Kathy's looking for the annulment papers. Whoso keepeth the commandment shall feel no evil thing. A wise man's heart discerneth both time and judgment. Because to every purpose there is time and judgment. Therefore, the misery of man is great upon him. A person filled with God's wisdom knows that he or she has been given the stewardship of his or her life. And children of God are to use their time, talents, and treasure wisely as we won't have use of this in eternity. But knowing when and how to do what we should do is not always as easy as knowing what we should do in following God's will. For instance, as a parent, I know what things need to be disciplined. I did know. It's been so long, I don't know that I still know. I think I forgot it when the grandsons come around. But I used to know what to discipline. But the application of when and how do you apply the what that's where the sticky wicket is. Parents, can I get a witness? It's not always as easy to figure that out. And so I know to obey my civil authorities. However, it's when the civil authorities are causing me, requiring me to out, fall, outside, fall in line outside of their jurisdiction, i.e., where in the Constitution is this required? Where is their authority which is given? It becomes quite problematic for the application. Are you all with me on this? I am talking 21st century America reality here. And this is not just hyperbole and rhetoric. 20, 30, 40 years ago, all of us would have said, not here. North Korea, certainly. Um, Cambodia, likely. Before the Iron Curtain fell, absolutely in the USSR. But not here. It only takes a spark to what? Get a fire going. The wisdom of obeying the law. Secondly, the wisdom of ordering the life, your own life. Verses 7 through 17. Oh my, you all are not listening near as fast as you should. Verse 7 through 17. For he knoweth not 
that which shall be. For who can tell him when it shall be? You you want me to keep going? (laughs) This is great stuff. (laughs) All in favor, say aye. Okay. (laughs) I won't dare say who's opposed. (laughs) And we're not preaching tonight anyway, so here we go. For he knoweth not that which shall be. For who can tell him when it shall be? There is no man that hath power over the spirit to retain the spirit. Neither hath he power in the day of death. And there's no discharge in that, in that war, neither shall wickedness deliver those who are given to it. All this have I seen. And applied my now. Solomon's old at this point. His, his life is almost over. I've seen all this and applied my heart unto every work that is done under the sun. There is a time wherein one man ruleth over another to his own hurt. And so I saw the wicked buried who had come and gone from the place of the holy, that is the temple. And they, Solomon built the temple. He was, it was Solomon's temple, the original temple. I, he, I've, seen him, I've seen him come and go. I've seen him come in and out um, from the holy, place of the holy. And they were forgotten in the city where they had done so. This is vanity. Because sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily. Let me rephrase that with the proper syntax. Because sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily. Therefore, the heart of the sons of men is fully set in them to do evil. Though a sinner do evil a hundred times, and his days be prolonged, yet surely I know that it shall be well with them who fear God, who fear before him. But it shall not be well with the wicked, neither shall he prolong his days, which are as a shadow, because he feareth not before God. There is a vanity which is done upon the earth, and, and that there are just men unto whom it happened according to the work of the wicked. Again, there are wicked men to whom it happened according to the work of the righteous. In other words, good people have bad things happen to them. Bad people have seemingly good things happen in their lives. Then I commended, the, commended mirth because a man hath no better thing under the sun than to eat and to drink and to be merry. For, the, for that shall abide with him of his labor all the days of his life, which God giveth him under the sun. When I applied mine heart to know wisdom... And to see the business that is done upon the earth. For also there is that neither day nor night seeth sleep with his eyes. Then I beheld all the work of God that a man cannot find out the work that is done under the sun. Because though a man labor to seek it out, yet he shall not find it. Yea, further, though a wise man think to know it, shall, yet shall he not be able to find it. That's difficult literature. Can I get an amen? I mean... It, it is cumbersome, it really is. But the general truth in verses 7 through 17 is the, there's wisdom in ordering your life. Not just in obeying the law, but actually in ordering your life. We don't know how God will providentially prescribe what's going on in your life, but he expects his children to use wisdom in how they plan and how they execute those plans in their lives. Verses 7 and 8. I don't know when time will be over for me, is what it's saying basically, because life is like the wind. And in fact, if you'll notice in verse 8, there's a man that hath power over the spirit, uh, and, uh, and it uses that term a couple of times. Really, uh, that's the word for wind. It's the, it's the idea that it blows where it wills, kind of like what John 8 uh, in verse, um, 
John 3 and verse 8 talks about, um, and, and it's that kind of an idea. And it's, it's the wicked will not be delivered from death and judgment. You can't steal an extra day because like the wind, it, it blows all over. It's here one moment and gone the next. That's the idea. So obeying civil authority could cost you your life. It, it says here at the end of verse 8. Notice it says, and there is no discharge in that war. In other words, if you are in the service, uh, Brother Beeson, and you go to war, what could happen? You, you, could, you could be killed on day one. There's, there's no getting at, that is, if you are obeying civil authority. And that's the teaching there. It could cost you your life. War has taken hundreds of millions of lives over the millennia. However, if you are in the will of God in that war, you're in the safest place that you can be. The safest place you can be is in the center of the will of God. And so order your lives according to what scripture says. And in doing that, there's great wisdom. In fact, it's foolishness not to do that. The wicked aren't going to escape. Uh, they're following the foolish path. And so, folks, if God wants to use your life you must lose your life. You must lose any, any jurisdiction saying, this is mine, this is mine, this is mine. No, 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 no. You've been bought with a price if you know him. And you must recognize that you have to lose your life in order for God to ultimately use your life. The late great missionary, Jim Elliott, not an old man, young man as a matter of fact, uh, went, went to uh, the mission field. Uh, back in 19, I think, 56. And before that, he wrote this. And it's uh, age-old uh, age adage. He said, he, yourself, I am no fool to give what I cannot keep. That is my physical life. This text tells me, I cannot stretch it out one more day. It's like the wind. It just blows around. He's no fool to give what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Now that is solid theology. And I want to live that way. I want to order my life. Since, since I cannot keep my physical life, I could, I could drop dead right now. I could be gone tomorrow, as could you. Boy, I was so grieved when, um, when I read yesterday. What town was it? Can't remember what city, uh, Brother Officer Poindexter, you might know. Uh, um, uh, a police officer. Just, just shot dead right, right on on the on the middle of a of a middle of a uh, of an altercation. I can't remember which town. It's this this weekend, and and I thought that policeman did not know. Maybe he had in the back of his mind, but he did not know that right now his life is over. So that being the case for all of us. Order your life according to his, his will. That is the path of wisdom. And that's the only path of wisdom. That's what this passage is telling us. Verses 9 and 10. This ver the, these two verses teach us don't be naive. Civil authorities are not flawless. In fact, many are evil. It's not that the government itself is evil, but the various positions and posts within the government are filled with people who are evil. In fact, we know that in our culture. Some of the most hypocritical people in the world are leaders. Look at verse 10. It tells us that. I saw the wicked buried. 
who had come and gone from the place of the holy. Oh, they visited the temple every week. They came and brought their offering. They brought their tithe. And, they, and I saw them and they were wicked. And God knows. I'm indignant. When I hear a politician. I want, I, I want to go up and say. Sir, ma'am. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. For God will not hold him guiltless who taketh his name in vain. Exodus 20. When that politician who will be even giving a speech or certainly throw in a, 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 a political point to openly support abortion on demand. And maybe the majority nationally would sign on for that. And then in the speech, in the rally by saying, God bless you and God bless America. I want to throw up. I want to take a baseball bat and sling it through my TV. That I am indignant. Do you know you're blaspheming God when you say that? Do you know that you're just flippantly tossing around the Almighty? Who do you think you are? What audacity. Oh, look in the mirror. Get honest. So, our leaders. They come and go to church all the time. Every whoremongering president this country has ever had has been a church member. Not a one of them has been excommunicated from his church. I'm getting real, folks. There's wisdom in law and order, and that applies to the leaders as well. Verse 11. This is the pivot verse of the chapter to me. Because it says... Because you do not execute a sentence speedily, you've just given a license for recklessness throughout your culture. Oh, my. You law enforcement officers, your service matters. You get the bad guys off the street or you keep them off the street. And by doing that, there's a lessening of crime in our culture. On the other hand, when cops are kicked out of massive area, such as in Seattle, Minneapolis, other places, and those places are actually discussing doing away with law enforcement, all you got to do is look at verse 11 to understand why there's an increase in evil. This is Solomon. God gave more wisdom to anyone. And he's sharing it in this text. Because you do not punish, quickly punish evildoers, the hearts of the foolish are set on fire to go crazy. Now that's a truism. And he's raised up, God has raised up law and order to curb that. Law and order, uh, law enforcement must be allowed to enforce constitutional law. Many in our country, and you've heard me say before, our leaders have become so open-minded. Oh, let's have a culture without law and order. So open-minded, their brains have fallen out and splattered on the ground and cars run over it. 
verses 12 through 15. And let the entire world hear these two verses. Righteousness is not intended to be fully rewarded in this life. He never promised us health and wealth. And oh, that little old ladies who go to church on the TV because they can't get out, but who will send in their last widow's might, as it were, to health wealth programs. God, wake them up. He never promised a rose garden in this life. Oh, there was a rose garden. And it was abandoned. Check that. It was violated. And then they were removed. Wickedness will not inherit a blessing in the next life. As the late great, and I just listened to the message again yesterday. As the late great R.G. Lee preached, there's payday someday. This message needs to be preached to the world. However, it is God's will that you enjoy his blessings. Notice in verse 15, it says, and this is not, this is not mockery. You got no better thing under the sun than to eat and to drink and to be merry. For that shall abide with him of his labor all the days of his life. God wants us to enjoy his goodness while we are here. Finally, verses 16 and 17 offer insight into these difficult verses. Verse 16, I applied my heart to wisdom. Ray Stedman offered some help. He said, life is too complicated, too vast, too filled with conflicting elements for anyone to figure out all the answers. I can't wrap my arm around life. I don't know the answer for our country. I don't know what a president would do. How can you be a president of a place like this in this day? Hence the need to pray. Though we stay up all night and day, trying to think through and understand the complicated events that bring to pass the circumstances of our lives, we'll never fully understand. So what in the world is the answer? Solomon said, just know it's all vanity if you try to do that. It's empty. Not going to work. What is the answer? We're done with this. The last chapter of Ecclesiastes, chapter 12. Solomon gives us the answer. He gives us the answer. He says, I'm signing off with this. I'm dying now, but let me tell you what the answer is to life. Chapter 12 and verse 13. Okay, let's hear the conclusion of the whole matter. This is it, guys. Wisest person who's ever lived, lived decades and decades as the king, had 700 Wives and concubines, whether you needed them or not. He says, I know what life is about. This is the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God, keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. Just walk in the will of God. And government will leave you alone? Maybe. If they're behaving righteously or in a proper manner, your fellow man will honor you, might not agree with you, and the Lord will be glorified. I said that was the last word, but actually there's one more word. 
It's kind of like the Apostle Paul who says, finally, brethren, and then he goes on, talks about the rest, second half of that book. If, like me, you would enjoy much less government interference in your life, as I would, much less. I don't want government to even know I exist. I could be a libertarian if it wasn't for the depravity of man. Remember the counsel of a century ago of the humorist, Will Rogers, who admonished us to be thankful we're not getting all of the government that we're paying for. (laughs) Oh, are we paying a lot for the government that we're not getting? (laughs) And I'm thankful. The wisdom of law and order. The wisdom of obeying the law. The wisdom of ordering our lives. Solomon gave us a good word. Lord, I'm thankful.